leadership has always been challenging, but today the pressures and unrelenting changes are greater than ever before. Leaders must manage an increasingly complex work environment made up of both remote and hybrid teams. To add to that, many team members are facing economic health and family care demands. So leaders have to be even more flexible and creative in order to be effective. We know that energized and engaged people and teams are the lifeblood of every organization. I'm Leanne Rogers, host of Leading Better Teams, and I arm leaders with everything you need to build happy and high-performing teams, all served up with empathy, humor, and a dash of Southern charm. Join me each month as I share the most effective and actionable insights, models, tips, and tools to help you lead better teams. Let's get started. Why is the process of transition and change so uncomfortable for teams? One reason is all of the uncertainty that comes along with change. And we all know that when we're uncertain, we feel unsafe, we feel nervous, we feel insecure, and that's uncomfortable. Another reason that transition and change is uncomfortable is because it involves a lot of negotiation. Anytime a team is having to work through a change and figure out a new way to do something, they've got to negotiate on a lot of different things, how they do things, when they do things, where they do things. And there's there's going to be lots of different opinions. And so negotiation is a really critical skill. Even when people are really good at negotiation, I find they often say they're still uncomfortable in the process. There's always a little bit of risk and reward here. And so all of those reasons make this process for teams uncomfortable. Over the last few years, teams have been in a perpetual cycle of change, and it doesn't look like that's going to slow down anytime soon. In this episode, I'm going to walk you through how you can lead your team effectively through a change process. I remember several significant changes that I experienced early in my corporate days when I worked in a regional bank as a leadership trainer. There were multiple relocations. I had a new manager come in. I was promoted and managed my first direct report. And all of these were significant changes that brought a mixture of emotions for me. I both had anxiety and mourning over what I was losing. And I also had excitement and hope about what I might be gaining in this process. Now, I was really fortunate because I had two excellent leaders and I really felt like they cared about me and were looking out for my best interest. I felt supported through all of these changes and that made a really big difference in how I perceived these transitions and how quickly I was able to adapt. Leadership really matters in how people perceive and respond and react to change. According to CBS News, one in four workers are considering quitting their job right now. Just let that soak in for a minute. 25% of the workforce is actually considering quitting their job. Why? Because a lot of reasons, but some of the reasons are they've got new desires and expectations for how and when they want to work, right? Over the last year or two, we've had so many changes in our lives and how we work. It's really had a lot of us or got a lot of us rethinking what we are doing and what we want to do going forward. That means if you can accommodate and flex how, when, and where your team works, you'll be more likely to keep strong team members. Teams and leaders who are agile are more likely to thrive during changes. This is why in the Better Teams model and assessment that I developed, one of the characteristics of a happy and high-performing team is to be adaptive. 
Almost every team I work with is experiencing some sort of change, often multiple changes. And giving the team the opportunity to talk about the changes they're experiencing is cathartic and moves them towards positive action. In order to process a change and determine what to do next, I often use Bruce Tuckman's Stages of Group Development model. Why? Because the simple model breaks down how teams work through change in a simple and understandable way, and it normalizes all the stress and emotions that we feel when we're going through the transition. So let me overview for you Tuckman's model, which he first published in 1965. And it's basically the forming, storming, norming, performing model. And so he talks about in this model the different stages that teams go through as they experience a change. Forming is the very first stage in Tuckman's model. Forming is that stage where the team is forming, literally, at the very beginning. They're coming together and starting a team. Now, during forming, it can be a really exciting time for the team. People come in and they're, you know, usually putting their best foot forward. They're hopeful about what the team might be. They're excited to meet new people and get started on a new adventure. And they're beginning to figure out, you know, who are we? What are our goals? What are we trying to accomplish here? And how will we work together? Forming is relatively positive, although not very productive because everybody's so new and figuring it out. Well, somewhere along the way, the team will move from forming to storming. And storming is exactly what it sounds like. In storming, it's it's kind of rough, right? It's rough weathers ahead, right? So there's, there's conflict, there's challenges, um, there may be disagreements about what to do or how to work. In storming, this is when people start to butt heads and feel frustrated. Maybe they feel like they're not moving ahead as fast as they should, and it feels messy, and it feels it feels uncomfortable. Now, a mild, it might be just a really mild storm uh, where people are just not, you know, it's just not working as well as it could, or it could be a major storm where there's a lot of significant conflict on the team and people aren't getting along at all. Eventually, what we hope is people move through the storming phase and into the third phase, which is the norming phase. The norming is basically normalizing. The team is starting to figure it out. They're working through those conflicts. They're figuring out the ways that they want to work together. They're getting clear on their goals and their processes, and they're starting to get into a rhythm. So norming starts to feel good. You start to be more productive and you start to be more happy. It starts to become easier and and clearer for people what the team is all about. Some teams stop here, but we hope that teams then move up even further into performing. And in the fourth stage performing, now the team is in a high performance state. They're super happy. They're engaged. They're fulfilled. They love what they're doing and they're doing it well. They know who's doing what. They're clear on roles and responsibilities. And not only that, they're looking forward. They're looking ahead. They're figuring out what's next. So a high performing team is, you know, really rocking and rolling, as I would like to say it. Now, it's not just a linear process where we go from forming into performing. The reality is anytime a team experiences a change, it knocks them further back into that cycle again. So a team who's really high performing that suddenly experiences a big significant change, a new leader, or or let's say maybe a pandemic where suddenly everyone is working from home is gonna get knocked all the way back into storming. And they're going to have to refigure things out and renegotiate and, you know, resolve, resolve who's doing what or how things are working. And it's going to be different. And then they're going to move back up into norming and hopefully into performing. But again, every time there's a change, it can knock you back into storming. And you can imagine what would happen if a team is going through multiple changes. 
Now, the nice thing is if a team is really high performing, they will often work through that storming phase much easier and with less painfully than, than a team who never quite got to high performing. But what I love about this model is it, is it just makes it normal to be in each of these different stages. You know, it's just part of the process of any system or any group to work through that they're going to have these different stages to go through. And today I'm really going to focus in on storming because that's where many teams are right now. And they're in this uncomfortable, painful stage. And oftentimes when people come to me and say, hey, Leanne, can you come do some team building? They're really going through some sort of significant change and they want some facilitated help to figure out how do we work through this? How do we as a team get back to a place where we love what we do and we love working together and we're doing it well? So today I'm going to walk you through kind of three three things that I think are useful to do with teams to help a team work through that storming process. And the first one is sharing Tuckman's model with your team. I almost always share this model with a team that's experiencing change. I'll put it up on a wall. I'll walk them through it as simply as I just did with you. And then I'll ask them, where do they see themselves? You know, where do they think they are in the change process? And we'll start to dialogue about it. What I find happens is teams will put themselves somewhere between storming and norming. There's usually one or two really positive people that'll say we're high performing uh, and someone might put themselves closer to norm a bit. But often they're somewhere in between storming and norming. And then we can talk about where that is and what that means to them. And it normalizes the process of storming. So instead of it being like, oh, I'm on this team and we're struggling and it's no fun. It's like, hey, this is just a normal, natural process that our team is in. And our job today is to figure out how do we work together collectively to move ourselves up into into norming? Or if the team feels like they already are norming, how do we move ourselves up into high performing? So it's just a tool to help people see where their team is on this curve of change. As a leader as well, I think accepting that storming is normal and acknowledging that with a team really sets the tone. If you as the leader are cool and collected because this is normal, others will be too. It just becomes, yeah, this isn't bad that we're here. This is just part of the process. This is just part of being on a team. And so we're not saying here, I'm not saying be a Pollyanna and be overly hopeful. We want to be realistic that, yes, this is a painful place to be right now, and we're uncomfortable, and we've got some stuff to do, and we will. And that's what we're here to do today is begin to figure out how do we resolve through these changes or these conflicts that we're having or these different points of view so that we can move into norming. It's important as a leader that you're able to see a positive vision of the future of the team and the possibilities. And if you're not there yet, get some coaching on that, because if you're not able to see a positive vision of the future, your team won't be either. So you having that vision will kind of guide their direction and set a positive tone and mindset for them. I have a simple activity that I use. I've described it basically to you simply here, but I have one if you're interested in taking your team through it. It's called Activity Stages of a Team. And it comes with slides and notes, and you can use it directly with your team. It's a real simple tool you could plug into a team session that you had. And I'll link to it in the show notes if you're interested in finding out more about that. And now it's time for the Leading Better Teams trivia question. How many thunderstorms are happening in the world right now? Would you believe that nearly 1,800 thunderstorms are happening around the world at any moment in time? At any moment in time, that is true. That means there's nearly 16 million thunderstorms a year. 
That kind of blew my mind to hear that. So storming is a natural phenomena in nature. And we also know now that it's also a natural phenomena in our teams. In addition to sharing Tuckman's model with your team and helping a team process where they are in those phases, I also think it's really important to communicate a whole lot with teams. We have got to be as leaders as transparent as possible. I know I mentioned the two leaders earlier in my career who were so transparent with me with as much as they could be. And because of that, I trusted them. So that communication, that willingness to spend time, that willingness to be as transparent as you're able to be is a trust builder. The second thing to keep in mind when you're leading people through change is the importance of communication and how important it is to be as transparent as you can possibly be. When you're upfront and you tell people as much as you can and you're in close communication with them, you will build trust. I mentioned those two leaders that I had earlier in my career, and that's what they did. They were there, they listened, they shared with me as much as they were able to share with me. And because of that, and I knew they had my back, I trusted them and I leaned into that change versus filling in the holes. Because what happens is when we don't communicate enough People have a lot of questions and they make a lot of assumptions. And often the assumptions they make in a case of stress are not positive assumptions, and they may be inaccurate assumptions as well. So we really want to fill in the holes as much as we can and communicate as much as often as possible. One-on-one check-ins are really important here because I find that everybody will be processing and viewing the change from a different point of view, and they'll have different questions and different concerns, and they may have different wants or needs from you and from the team. So asking them and having those one-on-ones to check in around what do they want and need related to that change really gives you information and allows you to have a dialogue with them. You also are showing that you value them and, and you can check in to see, do they feel safe or do they feel anxious about this? You'll get a better gauge from them in a one-on-one conversation and you'll be building that trust. The other thing to keep in mind with communication is checking in with the team about how the team is working together through this change. So how are we doing on the process? I think we spend a lot of times in our teams on the work, on the actual things being changed, but we don't always think about the dynamics of the team and how we're all working through it. So how are we working through it? How are we adjusting what's working and what's not? And having those kind of conversations throughout the process can also create a sense of trust and collaboration. Like we're working together to get through the storm, you know? So it just really sends a sense that we're all in community together here. The third thing is so important for leaders to do is empower and engage their team to figure things out. I find oftentimes as leaders, we think, oh, it's up to me as the leader to solve this or to come in with the answer or to fix this. And yet when we do that, we're disempowering our teams because they're just becoming, you know, they're following what we say versus having them be a part of solving and coming up with the solutions, which is incredibly empowering to teams. And it takes a lot of the weight off of your shoulders because you don't have to have all of the answers. You're working collaboratively with your team. So aligning a team on goals and roles and ways of working and then communicating about that is a really critical part of successful teams. In episode four, three ways to align your team goals, roles, and methods, I talk a lot about alignment and how I do that. So I highly recommend you listen in if that's something you'd like to know more about. When you're empowering and engaging your team to figure it out, it's really important to be very clear on the boundaries. 
So if you're asking your team to solve for things and they they come up with great ideas and then you say, well, that won't work because we don't have enough time or budget or that's out of scope for what our team can do, it's very, it's very deflating. It's, it's the opposite of empowering, it's disempowering. So instead, as you're helping or asking them to help you solve and work through these changes, let them know what the limits are, what the boundaries are, what the what's in scope and what's out of scope so that they're solving within boundaries that you can say, yes, this will work and they will feel empowered and a part of the, the process. Negotiating is another critical piece of empowering your team and helping them to learn to negotiate as well. It really kicks in here when you're trying to engage a team to figure things out, right? Because you've got a problem to solve for. Maybe you're trying to create a new plan. Maybe you're trying to reestablish your goals or figure out roles and responsibilities. And everyone on the team is going to come with different points of view and different ideas about what that should look like. So this is where collectively you have to work through and hear all these different ideas and then collaborate to figure out what's the best idea that we, we want to do as a team. And there's a technique that I want to share you here with you here that I learned from an amazing colleague of mine and coach. Her name is Giselle Shelley Garcia. She's with the Glenbrook Group. And she teaches a class called Bold Leadership to Senior Leaders. And one of the things she teaches in that class is the three-step question to ask when you're negotiating. The first one is, you ask the question, what do I want? The second question is, what do they want? And then the third question is, how can we find the and? So how do we make this a win-win, figuring out what do I really want and need and what do they really want and need, and then having the conversation to collaborate and figure out how to move forward so that everyone wins? Because when it comes to a team, when one person wins and another person loses, it creates distrust and frustration. So we really want to look for win-win solutions and figuring out how to negotiate and be clear on what we want is a big part of that. Kelly A. Morgan has a quote, and she says, changes are inevitable and not always controllable. What can be controlled is how you manage, react to, and work through the change process. And that's what leaders do, right? We manage, we react to, and we work through the change process and help others through that process. We lead others through that process with us. With the speed and pace of the world, successful organizations and teams are always in a state of change. This means our teams are constantly moving through those stages of change. Strong leaders provide their teams with a vision of the new possibility, a space to talk through it, a place to feel listened to and heard, and the opportunity to negotiate and co-create the new normal. When a leader encourages open dialogue in a safe space and builds trust, Teams move out of storming and into norming and performing quicker and a whole lot less painfully. Is your team storming right now? My challenge for you is to have a conversation with both the individual team members and the team collectively about what is happening and how the team wants to move forward. I hope you feel empowered and emboldened to constructively address the changes you and your teams are facing. If you are, Consider asking your team to listen to this episode and use it as a conversation starter with your team about the changes you're going through or will soon be going through together. Thank you for listening. Please share with me your success story of how you use Tuckman's model with your team. You can send me an email at leanne at better-teams.com. I can't wait to hear from you.
you for taking the time to listen in. As leaders, it's important that we all keep learning. Visit www.better-teams.com to learn more about the Better Teams model and how you can assess your team. I'd love to hear from you, so please connect with me on LinkedIn or through my website and join Forward, my online community, where you can share, learn, and network with me and other leaders from around the globe. If you want more pragmatic ideas and tips to lead better teams, please subscribe and share this podcast with your colleagues. Thank you and have a great day.